Anybody know Zechariah 4.6 off the top of their head? Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God, we pray and ask that you would forgive us for not using the good mind that you've given to us. We do pray now as we uh, jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here. God, help us to think with you. Lord, that we would learn to talk, to live more like you. We know that is your desire, that you are at work by your spirit, sanctifying, completing the work that you've begun in us who believe. God, speak to us now. Give us those ears to hear. We pray in your name. Amen? Amen. Winston Churchill advised, if you have an important point to make, Don't try to be subtle or clever. Use a pile driver. Hit it once. And then come back and hit it again. Thanks, Ozzy. So, (laughs) guys ever ask that question, why do some people spiritually get it and others spiritually don't? What's up with that? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what we get to figure out this morning here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because the Apostle Paul, he's going to hit on that point, okay? And here is his point, and the point is, it's Jesus Christ in him crucified. <laughs> that's what it's all about. So Paul's going to slam some things down for us this morning, which I'm kind of excited about. So if you guys like taking notes... Take some good notes this morning because this is pretty straightforward and he's going to use a pile driver for us and he's going to hit home some things for you and I over and over again. He's going to speak to the power of God. Again, the wisdom of God. Again, the spirit of God. Again, the discernment of God. And again, the mind of God. And that's what we're going to see going through this chapter. So, you guys ready to look at number one? Check this out in verses one to five. The power of God. And I, brethren, he says, when I came to you. And again, you guys know the Apostle Paul was a missionary, right? He was called by God to go to the Gentile world, not to the Jews. But you were to go outside of Israel. You are to go and preach to the Gentile world. And here is a little church of Corinth, a handful of believers. And he's writing to them. He says, and I, brethren, my brothers and sisters in Christ. He said, when I came to you, he was on those mission journeys. And I didn't come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I have with you in weakness, or I was in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. In my speech and my preaching, they were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, considering Paul starting here in verse 1, he came armed to Corinth with this 
crazy, foolish-sounding gospel that we considered last time in verse 18 of chapter 1. He didn't depend on eloquence or an intellectual brilliance, though he had both, right? Paul knew the arts. He knew music. He knew philosophy, culture, the poets about the world that was around him, very well read. His, the greatest teachers in Israel ran out of books to give the dude. He was that smart. He was devouring everything. But when it came to the gospel, Paul had a one-track mind. This is it. This is Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is what matters. So you can have both. You can even use both, but you don't depend or rely on either. Okay, it's the power of God. So today, the gospel still works. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I, you know, the power of the gospel is in the reality of, you know, what Jesus has done for us. There's power to save, and it's through the gospel. Okay, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So Freedom Fellowship Saints, we must find the task of evangelism to be too big for us. I think that's where we need to approach this chapter. Because if we can do it, there's something wrong. It has to be the power of God. Do you guys get that? Evangelism, which is going to do what? It's going to drive us to our knees to be praying, isn't it? Okay. So your faith must be in the power of God, according to verse 5. Isn't that cool? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Some of you guys are just like, <clears throat> you guys are freedom really stick to just Jesus, huh? Him being crucified? Yeah. It's kind of essential to Christianity, isn't it? Okay. If our preaching, if what... What we're about, if what we're learning doesn't come back to that, what's the point? It is about Jesus. So, the power of God. Number two, the wisdom of God. Look at verse 6 with me here, guys. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they had not, or if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him. So we read this, you know, light of verse 7 here, handcrafted, you know, for those who are saved. So this really involves God, okay? God's wise plan for believers really, you know, being brought into the glories of heaven. And according to verse 8, they're hidden. 
And they're hidden from who? The unsaved. Those who don't believe in Jesus. Had they known the truth, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory, right? If they had known. But don't we do the same thing? Crucify Jesus? Well, Jesus is not allowed here. We want nothing to do with him. We don't talk about him. God is dead. That's what we've been taught, right? Also, we think of the spiritual death. You know, spiritual death uh, perception comes from, you know, this experiential knowledge of God, not just some intellectual comprehension of truths about him. Because you guys can know a whole lot. Some of us could even grown up in the church, gone to a Christian school. I know things about God, but it ain't a heart reality. You aren't born again in the Spirit. You see, when Paul refers to, in verse 9 here, the old prophet Isaiah, back in chapter 64, verse 4, neither scripture is speaking of heaven here. That's the context. It's not talking about heaven, guys, at all. The context has nothing to do with heaven at all. The context of verse 10 and 11 here plainly refers to spiritual insight, being able to see spiritually what's going on in that mystery, verse 7, that was hidden, but now is revealed, verse 10 and 11. It was a mystery. We couldn't understand. We didn't get it. But hey, you who are a part of the church, born again of the Spirit, man, your eyes have been enlightened. You can now understand. It's so cool. Some of those blessings are described in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3 to 14 is like this super long run-on sentence in original language. It's just one long sentence. And I want to read it for you guys because it speaks to some of this mystery and the realities of it. Okay, If you guys want to close your eyes and just listen, that's totally cool. But I want you guys just to really listen to God's word here and consider some of this great mystery that has been revealed to us who believe Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have a redemption, through his blood the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, 
that we who first trusted Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Two-sided wisdom here, guys. Wisdom's kind of like an iceberg. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Those things that are visible, the things that we can see above the surface, right? What's tangible, what is touchable, what is learned from our natural world through observation, experimentation. In preaching, it is what we can explain. Okay, what can be heard, what can be understood, invisible. Guys, that's God's wisdom. This is the deep side. This is where God takes the word and plums it down under the surface. Okay, gets down deep he, under those currents, right? Where he can minister to our hearts and our souls. That's what Paul's talking about here. Charles Spurgeon told a story about a woman who said to Joseph Turner while painting, he was a famous landscape painter back in the 1700s, why do you, you know, put such extravagant colors into your pictures? I've never seen anything like that in nature. Don't you wish you did, madame? He said. You see... It was a sufficient answer. He saw them even if she did not. In a similar way, guys, believers in Christ can see many spiritual truths that unbelievers simply can't. They cannot recognize. So when we're born again, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of these deep things of God. Isn't that cool? And isn't it sweet when we're in tune and we're getting downloaded from God the Father, some of those deep things. Nothing like it. That's why we love his word. That's why we love fellowship. Any opportunity, hey, let's get together and consider God, talk about him, share with one another, you know, what he's teaching us, what he's doing in us, showing us, right? So with the help of the Spirit, guys, we can apprehend the truths of God's word and appreciate the beauty and its significance. How many of you guys, before you were saved, born again of the Spirit, tried reading the Bible, but it was so hard to read? Didn't make any sense, so dry. And how many of you guys have come to faith in Christ and you're just like, whoa, I can see. <laughs> this makes sense now. You can't explain that except for the Spirit of God. You've been born again of the Spirit. You now have spiritual eyes to see. That's what happened, guys. 
It's like the psalmist, and we really should pray what he said in Psalm 119, verse 18. Oh, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful, wonderful things of your law. There's nothing better. You guys ever have just a horrible, horrible day? You finally, <laughs> time to go to bed. And you pick up the Bible and you read and God speaks something so profound, so right now, <laughs> so needed. And you're just like, man, this is the greatest thing that's happened all day. And it's just coming from this book, this old book. That's God. It's his word that we would stand in awe and wonder. That's why I tell you guys all the time, be praying that God stirs you up for a hunger for his word. Okay? That we desire to go deep. Like truly, guys, it's Thursday morning at the men's study. I mean, we're reading about these kings of old of Judah and Israel and Esau. And you can learn so much from the Old Testament but just that short time with my brothers that morning, reading, you know, chunks of scripture, chapter upon chapter of their lives, how they blew it. God met me, spoke to me with things that are going on, some very profound, deep things in way of confirmation just through that time. That was the highlight of my week. I would have missed that if I slept in on Thursday. But just taking that time to position yourself before the Lord to receive, he speaks. I mean, how often do you guys show up on a Sunday morning where God doesn't speak to you? He does. And why is it? Because we take his word seriously. We're going to open it up. We're going to let him speak to us. There's a reason why 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is in his word. He wants us to get these spiritual realities to know that, yeah, <laughs> We are spiritual, and because we are God's kids and we're spiritually alive, there are many things he wants to reveal to us. There are deep things he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives, and this is how he's chosen to do it, guys. So spiritual insight is available only to those with spiritual eyesight, the Spirit of God enables the people of God to understand the Word of God. So what was, <laughs> what has God been speaking to you guys? What has he been revealing to you in his Word recently? How about in your devotions? <laughs> What's he been speaking to you deeply into your souls what have you been grasping with spiritual sight? You know? And it might just be for you. Do you guys understand that God is very personal? <laughs> Even this morning, I believe is I have the privilege to preach his word that God is speaking different things to different people this morning. He knows what's been going on in your hearts, in your minds. And isn't that so cool about the scriptures? Have you guys ever done a deep dive into a study? and then you revisited that same book or passage later in life, and God spoke something so profound and so deep, and now it's totally different. It's something new. It's still true. Okay, the principles are true, 
but God's going to download something totally different and maybe even deeper than before. You were just in a place of awe, like, whoa, this is like the coolest thing ever. You know? And God's just like, just hold on. There's even more. That's what I love about his word, guys. What I want to do, and we don't do this normally in the middle of Bible study together, I want to take just a few moments together and have you guys come and share if there has been a passage of Scripture lately. I know we're all in the Word and we get excited about Scripture, but is there a passage or just a verse where God has brought you to a new depth just lately, showing you something in His Word? I'd love to take just a few moments together and have uh, uh, some of you guys come up and just share Uh, some scripture that has been speaking to your heart, some profound things at this time. So we're going to do it. Who wants to go first? Come up, brother. Okay. Lord, your wisdom. I am in, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the three most powerful words I've ever run into. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I've uh, I've been through uh, life circumstances. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, God has seen me through. I'm still alive. The doctors told me about six months ago I'd be in a wheelchair. I don't look like I am. Because God is faithful and sustains us. But we got to look for him. That's the spiritual eyes. Thank you. Anybody 
Hello, any of you watched the movie Shawshank Redemption? Remember when um, Red said, you know, hope is a dangerous thing to give a man? Um, and I was kind of writing on that for a while until I read uh, Colossians. So it goes, um, first, I don't know, it's Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 till, pardon me here, 6. So it goes, you have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among, just as it has among you since the day you heard it, and have, and come to truly appreciate God's grace. Yeah, usually the world we have wishful thinking, which is we hope that the Packers will have won, or we hope. Um, I will have done this, which is wishful thinking, but there's absolute hope, which I like to call, which is the hope that we have in Christ, which is the gospel. And every day, because I'm a servant and leader crew, we usually dive into the gospel, which I got really contempt with and very familiar with. But I needed some hope, and the gospel is what gives me that hope, which is not wishful thinking, which is absolute hope. So just wanted to share that. Um, I shared this at prayer last week, uh, so forgive me if those who are there are hearing this again. Um, one thing that's stuck with me uh, lately, uh, I've been in Isaiah lately, and uh, Isaiah 54, everybody knows Isaiah 53, because it talks about his suffering and dying for our transgressions and just the prophecy there, but 54 is like... I'm glad that Ozzy went before me, actually, because it's 54 speaking about the hope that we have uh, because of him doing all of that. And so uh, uh, I'll just start in verse 7. Um, 9 and 10 are really the, the meat of it. But verse 7 says, For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I love, I love the, like the duality there of him talking about the flood, uh, which was destructive, um, although brought about by him. And he promised us that it would never come again that way. And he also promises us that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. His love will never leave. It will never end. He has eternal compassion on us. And that's... Um, it, that's amazing. Yeah. Is that good, <laughs> 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 Yesterday. 
So um, there's a verse that has spoken to me, and I think it speaks to a lot of people, but it's a promise. In Revelation 21, verse 4, and it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And I think that's a pretty, like, close to home one for a lot of people, especially for people who suffer with a lot of pain, including myself. Um, the last few weeks have been tough for me, so um, that's a beautiful verse that I, I think I hold really strongly. So that was one that spoke to me the other day. So I actually saw it in one of my classes. The, the professor uh, of my Christian worldview mentioned... Um, chapter 21 and I looked at that verse and I was like wow <laughs> and I almost bawled my eyes out in class but um, that was just the one I wanted to share hello I'm a big fan of the Old Testament and I've been reading Nehemiah and in chapter 8, um, verse 6, um, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And that's one image that I get in my head every time I worship, is just falling on my face before the Lord and just, I can't wait for heaven, you know? It's pretty special, so. Good morning, everyone. Well, you know, sometimes things pop out at you, you know, when, uh, when you have things on your mind. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about the world, everything that's going on, and all the problems in the world, and what are we supposed to be doing right now, God, with all this, what's going on? And sometimes God puts things right in front of you, like we were visiting, um, my wife and I, Kelly, were visiting my mother-in-law, and on her shower curtain popped out a verse. <laughs> So here it is. It's but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And God, I think, has been talking to me about this is what we need to do as believers. This is what we need to do right now. We have to focus on loving even better than we are sometimes capable of. We have to try to love everyone a lot better, and this is an ongoing struggle, I think, with all of us, um, but lately it's been on my heart. Let's, let's try to love like God loves and just do a better job of that. ginormous Bible. <laughs> this makes me holier than all of you because mine's the biggest. No, I'm in first Corinthians. I'm in, I'm in first Corinthians. Sorry, Lennon. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I'm going to be very brief. I'm so sorry. Um, 
May, many of you may or may not know that uh, Joe and I have a daughter, and uh, she left home about 16, and um, she suffers from mental and drug issues, but um, for over 20 years, I've prayed for her and asked for my daughter back, and I just prayed, and I would cry out to the Lord, and while well, he was always there, I never heard him. And these last, I want to say six weeks, He's been saying, but Kelly, I've got her, and I've given you other daughters. I've given you Becky and Jada and Christy and Patience and Liz, and I just have been so overwhelmed with so much love and gratitude um, to him. So I think sometimes we get caught up in ourselves, and he's got you, and just let him take it, because he'll bless you for it. I know you're all going to show up next week with huge Bibles. <laughs> Eccentric. Out of center. Jesus comes on the scene and says that he is the center. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, one of my favorite verses, might be my favorite right now. <laughs> I want to share it with you guys from a paraphrased Bible. I like how they put it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. If we consider verse 11, guys, for what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? You guys can learn things about me by observing me or by what people say about me, but you can't know what's going on in my mind. You can't know what the Spirit has been doing in my life unless I choose to reveal it to you. Only I know what I'm thinking. Besides my wife, she's gotten pretty good at it. <laughs> Likewise, only the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. That's the point. Do you guys get what he's saying? So far, Paul has used this, you know, pile driver twice, okay? Power and wisdom. Now, I want us to remember that the Jewish people sought after signs, signs, power, right? In the Greeks, wisdom, as we read back in verse 22 in chapter 1. Both power and wisdom are found where? In Christ Jesus, in chapter 124, tells us that clearly, right? So, wisdom and power must go together, really, for a balanced Christian diet, guys. Okay? We need both. Now, the third one, 
Let's take a look here. The Spirit of God. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So there were these French scientists. Um, I've been to France. I'm never going back. But these scientists, <laughs> uh, they succeeded in causing chickens to sound like quail. Researchers, they took tissue from a part of the Japanese quail brain, and they, you know, that control that part of the bird's brain uh, that makes their calls, and they implanted it in the brains of five chicken embryos. The experiment worked. Researchers say the hatched chicks sounded like quail. The greater miracle, guys, is that God has implanted the mind of Christ into those who believe. Think about that. whoop do you do you French scientists? Get saved. That's what we're talking about. That's huge. Who can know the mind of Christ? Those who have humbled themselves and bowed the knee before Jesus, who've accepted him, who are born again of the Savior. You see, verse 12, guys, tells us that the Spirit of God has taken up residence in us. Isn't that cool? Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? He lives in you guys. So in some mysterious way, we have the capacity for this divine wisdom that no scholarly degree, no natural experience could ever provide. You see, having the mind of Christ enables us to see life increasingly from God's perspective. For you guys who've walked with Jesus for a little while now in life, have you learned, do you see life from a little bit different perspective because you're seeing it from his perspective? Yeah. We're all growing. Okay? And we always pray, God, help us to see as you see. Okay? You ask me to love the unlovable, even an enemy. How does that, but as we grow in the Lord, doesn't that begin to make more sense? You see and you understand why. His ways are way better. His ways are right. And there's sometimes we're going through things and we're just like, you know, God gives the, the, the insight, drops something deep into your heart, and you're like, whoa, why didn't I have that last week, Lord, when I really did? You know, it's like we're always growing. He's always teaching us, showing us. And that's the way it is, guys. We need to be growing in God's perspective. And where are we going to learn God's perspective? It's in his word. It's in his word. So this doesn't mean that we can think on God's level and instruct him according to verse 16, but it does mean that we have this new capacity. That's what's been given to us, guys. We can actually think and talk and act and be more like Christ. Isn't that cool? So God wants his children to be in the know, not to be in the dark. Because things out there are pretty dark. We sing a beautiful worship song this morning about Jesus being the light of the world. And brothers and sisters, we're exhorted in Scripture to walk in the light as he is in the light. Number four this morning. The spiritual discernment of God. Look at verse 13 with me. 
These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So the natural man here in verse 14 is unsaved, doesn't know the Lord. Do you know that you can sit in church and be unsaved? You're still a natural man. You can do it to the day you die. And then your spiritual eyes will be open. Oh, bummer. I was wrong. I was prideful. Jesus was the only way. So, and the bummer is the natural man can be happy in the world. Be happy in the world. My heart breaks for brothers and sisters who get saved and they still try to live in the world. Try to find happy. Man, that's hard. It's ugly. It's rough. It don't work. That's why God says all in. All in. The person who's unsaved is of the world, loves the world, thinks they'll find fulfillment in the world, which they keep looking and they can't find it. Um, and they can't receive the things of the Spirit, the Word. There's a reason why you guys are here. You're born again. You get it. Why would an unbeliever want to be here? That'd be boring. What's the point? What a waste of time. Have you ever had those conversations with people? You really go to church every Sunday? Really? You're weird. No, it's kind of normal when you're a child of God. You see, the natural man can enjoy reading the majesty of the old King James language of the scriptures, admire and even feel the charm of the stories, even having feelings of religiosity as they read it, but they can't know the scriptures. He is a man of discernment and is able to judge and evaluate the things, the insights of God. You gotta believe. You gotta be born again to be able to do that. Which brings us now, okay. Well, let me pause for a second. <laughs> I really believe we are living in the last days. And when we spiritually can discern the word of God, guys. We know the love of our God. And when God tells us that he is long-suffering, like very patient, desiring none to perish, I don't know how long we have. I really don't. It may be decades yet. But because we are living in a very unique time that the Bible speaks about, you guys, I don't know if you know this, the Bible is chock full of prophecy full of prophecy. We read the Old Testament prophets, so much going down with Israel and Judah and what God was up to. But prophetically speaking, the Bible has more prophecies that speak about today than any other time in history. It's not just me throwing it out there. I think we're living the last days. God declares things that are going on, and if we have 
discernment spiritually and we're reading God's word, it doesn't take much to look around and say, whoa, <laughs> things are falling. To... But the thing, guys, is we're told that in the last days, the love of many is going to grow cold. If I'm honest, I'm seeing this even within the church of Jesus Christ today. There is so much infighting. I can be honest with you guys, the most <laughs> heated you know, arguments, division, <laughs> fighting has come within the church with brothers and sisters who are in Christ. I have believers that get more offended at me than the world who hates me because I follow Jesus. But the love of many are going to go cold in the last days. We're also told we're going to start heaping up teachers for ourselves because we've got itchy ears. We don't want somebody to teach us the word of God. Pastor, we want you to talk about this from the pulpit. And we're told in the last days that we're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's happening today, guys. I don't know about you guys, but when you have spiritual discernment and you just read the word of God, it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. All this other stuff, it's the same stuff the natural man's tripping over, guys. It's the same fear-mongering the world is doing. We have a hope that is real. It is Jesus Christ and him and crucified. Our life is but a vapor. The gospel's always been needed and always will be needed. There's no reason if we have discernment to forsake the mission God's given us. And that's why there's a great safety in sticking to the word of God. And it may be simple, but when the word of God is preached, that is the power of God. Lives are changed. And that's where we, brother and sister, we need to stick with God's word to discern what's really going on. Because the world's going to want us tripping. Satan's going to want us to get off our, our eyes off our Lord and Savior Jesus. Okay? And get it on the temporal stuff of this world. But when we read the word of God, what's the volume of the book about, guys? It's about Jesus. Every time we open the word, it's back to him. It brings clarity. And it's not that we ignore what's going on. That's very real. And it is impacting lives. But do we have the discernment to understand what's really going on from God's perspective? What really matters in it? And I believe when we are spiritually discerning, and in the word, it becomes very clear. Jesus is still the answer. He is the hope. We want to see change. We want to see good things happen in life. It's going to be people turning to him. And let me tell you what, the world is not going to turn to him because they're turning on the news to find out what they need to know. We're the ones that have the good news. We're the ones that need to be sharing. So I want to encourage you guys Let's be in the word. Let's be praying for discernment. Let's be sharing the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Because we can talk about everything under the sun all day long. But are we having those conversations about Jesus Christ and him crucified? Because we're the ones that understand it. We're the ones who discern it. We're the ones that get to share it. So let's live it. Let's share it. Let's have the mind of Christ, which brings us to number five. <laughs> Ozzy, this is great. Like, we might do this every week, bro. <laughs>
Let's take a look at verse 16 together. The mind of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The believer has the mind of Christ. Think about that. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Write it down. It tells us. It's a commandment. Let this mind be in you which also was in who? Christ Jesus. This is the mind that we are to have. You guys can jot down 1 Peter 4.1. Since Christ suffered for us, okay, um, in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. We are to be thinking like Jesus thinks. Unless we're actually talking to him, getting into his word and hearing what he thinks about that. How are we going to know the mind of Christ? Right? So this means that the Spirit through the word helps us believers to think like Jesus. You see, true faith stands on the rock of revelation and not on the sands of human philosophy. YouTube's been blowing up because there's a very famous philosopher who maybe has gotten saved. Millions of people jumping on and listening to what he has to say. I hope he's saved. There's some insights that maybe he is a brother. And then there's some philosophy that's thrown out. I was like, I don't know if this guy's saved. <laughs> but the one thing is, he'll skirt scripture. He just won't speak the word plainly. You think God needs our help on explaining his word? Just say it. Some of you guys love that we do verse-by-verse teaching. That's part of the reason why you come to Freedom Fellowship. You guys are just going through the Bible, keeping it real. I wish every church did it because that's what God's asked us to do. But (laughs) some of you guys ask once in a while, like, hey, you just read over that verse. Why don't you expound on it? Most of the times, guys, sometimes I just don't know what it's talking about. And I just skip it. I'll be honest with you guys. There's just some things I pray and pray like, what does this mean? I don't know. And then I go to the guys that are way smarter than me and read their commentaries and they can't even agree. So I'm not going to say anything. But there are times where I purposely will just read over a scripture. We've done that with a few this morning. You can't say it any better. It's just what God has said. It is his word. He means what he says. And I want us to take that as we take time studying and reading his word. This is what you meant. Because we are living in a time where people are twisting God's word to fit whatever their agendas are. That's not our God. We're here for him. What he says is supposed to really develop our lives and how we ought to live, not vice versa. Okay, So, the natural man, guys can't understand anything in the spirit. So how, how will that change us when it comes to evangelism? If we're really living out the great commandment, go and make disciples of all nations. The natural man can't understand the things of the spirit. What is it going to make us do? It's going to make us pray more, isn't it? Who are you praying for right now to get saved? Who are you praying for? I hope you're praying for a lot of people. But I'd encourage you guys to specifically be praying. And if you don't know who to be praying for, I'd ask you guys to pray that God would show you who's in my life that you want me to be specifically praying for.
You know, maybe write that person's name on the inside cover of your Bible and pray for them every day. Pray, pray, pray. And then talk, too. We have a good way of praying a whole lot but never speaking. <laughs> we have the mind of Christ. We'll know how we ought to pray, and we also will know how we ought to share the hope that we have with others. So be praying. Be praying more. Make prayer a priority. You see, guys, the church has never had better machinery. This is Alan Redpath, and I'm closing with this. The church has never had better machinery, yet it has also never been so helplessly ineffective in meeting the problems of the day. The answer is Jesus Christ and him crucified, guys. It is him. Jesus is the answer. So, why don't we all stand? I'd love to <clears throat> close our time in prayer this morning. Well, Father, we're thankful for time together this morning. I love just how your word stirs us up. We wanted to stir us in such a way that we're really provoked to good works. Lord, and I don't think there's anything better uh, than sharing you with others. God, so we pray that you would give us opportunities. God, that you would show us how we can be praying for those that still walk in unbelief. God, that you would be working. I think of the Apostle Paul himself. Lord, he had these scales over his eyes. And we see so many people today who've been blinded by the God of this age, by Satan himself. Lest the light of the gospel shine upon them. We pray that scales would be removed this day. God, that people would begin to seek you. That we'd share your word boldly. Father, the world is just questioning everything and offended by so much. Let us speak hope and truth into those things that people would see their great need of you, that you are good and right, that you are Savior, that you are a creator. God, we look so forward to your return. We're living in fun times <laughs> um, because it's close times. Lord, we don't know how long we have, but we want to be faithful to the end. Lord, even if you tarry and we become old <laughs> we want to finish well lord so whatever season of life we're in we want to we want to be open to your spirit changing us transforming us to be more like you jesus god if there was some method that we could do to make that happen <laughs> we'd do it but you made it clear it's a working of your spirit and all we can do is humbly yield before you lord saying here we are please father work on us change us Use us, God. We are yours. So we ask in your name, Jesus, your will be done in our lives, God. The things we're facing, the trials we're going through, we know you see it all. God, give us that wisdom, discernment, Lord, to know what to do in these things. And ask in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen.